Weasley on Spyrokin Manga Review. Sometimes there are podcasts that can make us laugh, make us cry, and even make us think. It allows us to be inspired to make a choice between a manga that is truly entertaining and that which does suck. Warning, this podcast contains adult language, mature themes, an interesting surprise, and some really interesting manga. Listener discretion is advised. And you don't seem to understand Episode 15 Dog Eaters vs. Archlords vs. Roaches. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Spirekin Manga Review. I'm your host, Zan, and again, unfortunately, not with me is my co host, Mason. Yeah, guys, I know I promised that she was going to be here again. This things have been kind of rough on Mason's end. Give her a break. She hasn't quit yet. She's still going to be around, just it's going to be a little bit longer than usual. But don't worry, I'm not alone today. Yeah, I'm not. I actually have an interview later. It's a surprise because today is our quinceanero episode, our 15th episode. So, feliz quinceanero por nos. Happy 15th for us, even though it's not our birthday yet. Soon, though. Soon. That's also why I kind of used the hero's opening. Please, Shenkar. Please don't sue us. Please, NBC. We have no money. Please. We're sorry we used it. I just thought it was cool. Hope you guys enjoyed that. If you have any other ideas, tell us it. But please don't sue us. Please. Anyway... Because it's our 15th episode, I have a couple of surprises for everyone. First off, we now have our own forum, spirekin.rapidboards.com. For the first 100 posters who go on there, you're going to be put into a lottery. So definitely go and post. The lottery prize, 10 different boxes of Pocky. 10. Not 1, not 3, 10. We got Milk Pocky, Raspberry Pocky, Blueberry Pocky, Chocolate, Moose, Almond Crush, Marin and a couple others so definitely post on there it's a place you can go to bullshit write about the episode write about who your favorite host is what you want to put on the wheel of manga so on and so forth unfortunately no birthdays this week so you know hey it happens now for something interesting we have a couple new contests first off one of the big ones 
we have a list on our MySpace account, myspace.com forward slash Spirekin. That is the list for the Wheel of Manga. We randomly choose 10 every week to put on the Wheel of Manga. Now, if you guys want to, pick 10 titles that we haven't reviewed yet, put them on the wheel, and send it to us. The one who does the best job any week will actually use your wheel and we'll attribute it to you and we'll pimp you out completely. And maybe you can even be entered into our mysterious grab bag contest where we'll give you something out of our grab bag. So definitely check it out. Send it to spireken at gmail.com or, you know, myspace.com forward slash spireken or on our forum, spireken.rapidboards.com. Okay, now that that's out of the way, now let's get into some of the other interesting things. In manga news, nothing. I mean, there's a couple of new releases, nothing big. Besides the news, nothing else is going on. Um... Besides our site stuff, um, definitely check out our website, spirekin.podbean.com, and, well, I think that's it. Maybe we should start now, really start the episode. One more thing beforehand, as I was saying before, we have an interview today. I know, it's the first time we're doing it. Hopefully, if things work out, you know, we'll have more interviewers, and hopefully it goes well. But before I get into interviewing Malcolm Wong about his great story, Dog Eaters, maybe we should get the review out of the way that way we can focus more on that all right so now on to the review now for those of you who don't know last week when i spun the wheel of manga it dictated onto me that i would review archlord now you're probably wondering what the fuck is archlord seriously to find this manga took me forever i had to look everywhere for it to find it it was almost as hard as finding bombos and you know how much i hated bombos i mean i like this but it was really hard to get a hold of Anyway, I know I say that a lot, but I'll get into it. Well, Archlord is this manga, which is not a manga. It is a manga. Some of you are like, huh, what's a manga? Well, manga is a Korean manga. It's a Korean graphic novel. Now, some of the differences are the art styles are a little different. Instead of being right to left, it's left to right. Hooray! And also, the names are different. Like, instead of Shiro or... Akira or Kaoru-san, you'd get names like Jin and Lo Fong or Fu Hua. So, a little differences, but still a manga. It's still a graphic novel, so it's kind of cool. Now, Archlord was created by Jin Huan Park. I think I'm pronouncing it right. If I'm not, I apologize. And it's being published by Tokyo Pop. It originally came out 2005, and it's being released here 2007. It's about seven volumes five are out right now so that's kind of cool and it's a shonen before i get into the actual manga what it's about some of you might be wondering hey archlord i've heard that before like if i go to gamestop or eb or fye or best buy or one of those other game stores there's a reason why archlord is an mmo now for those of us who don't know what mmo are MMOs are mass media online rpgs they're role-playing games you play online like world of warcraft dropping names of course a little bit or Final Fantasy 11 or like I said Archlord you play it online with a bunch of people or Evercrack I forgot about that that's a big one yes this manga is just a big publication for the MMO so you get a little bit of codes and other things that are actually in references from the game but this takes place 500 years after the game so it's kind of I'm not gonna lie it's just a big publicity stunt but it's entertaining I like the artwork so anyway, let's get into it now now the synopsis. Five mystic gemstones known as the Archon were created and they could bestow fantastic powers on anyone who possessed them. Now long ago, heroes quested for the stones, trying to get them, and when they found these stones, they set them into a weapon of power. 
that was forged to make the most of their magic and key to the bloodline of the creator. One of these was Broomheart, the Sword of Fire. Now, let's flash forward a couple years later into the actual beginning of the manga, the first chapter. Opens up with a bloody war between wargs and orcs versus humans. For those of you who don't know what a warg is, it's kind of like a giant dog. The orcs are beating the shit out of the humans. The humans are getting their asses kicked. Wargs are running around killing them. You hear a lot of, Eee! No, don't hurt me! Run away! And a lot of the, We will eat your skulls. No, not really. Those are the sounds I'm making, but it's a really intense first thing to open up the manga with. So as all of the humans are getting their asses kicked, the leader of the, the humans, Leon Manus, you don't know his name yet, you find it a bit, but he looks at his platoon and says, Stand your ground! The great fire is yet with us. Trust in the might of the spirits. And he pulls out a sword. This sword is Broomheart. He is the current wielder of the sword of power. And he says, By the Archons, let me wield your strength! And he swings the sword down, and suddenly you see why everyone wants these Archons. Giant tiger dragon thing just bursts out and just decimates the entire, you know, front line and also just obliterates the leader of the orcs. And once the leader's gone, the humans are able to get the courage up and they attack. Let's just kill them all! Yeah! Die, die! And blood and guts and... This is only five pages in, by the way. It starts off really intense. So it enters into the first chapter, which is called Brumheart. Yes, as I said, Brumheart is the sword. Pretty much only a member of the Manus family could use it. This is important. There's a reason why. I'll tell you in a minute. So anyway, as he's going home, Leon's servant, or his trusted vassal and knight, Ernan, is looking at the sword, and he's like, it's a very powerful sword, sir. And he says, it's Brumheart. Let us return. So they go home, and now Leon's acting like a typical goofy dad to his infant son, Jan. Not Zan. Spelled similar, though. There's an I in the middle, so it's X-A-I-N. So Jan, even though he's a little typical baby wearing weird diaper thingy, it's like, imagine a pajama with a cod piece in the front. Kind of weird. Never seen that before. But anyway, he's talking to his wife, and his wife's saying, you're going to give him nightmares, honey. Why are you taking him away? Well, Leon and Ernan are going to take Jan to go out and to be blessed by Father Kenneth, who is this great mysterious sorcerer. And he was supposed to do it years ago, and it's in this hidden forest. So, everyone gets ready to go, and Ernan kind of gives the wife a weird look when she says, Let everything be okay, be back by sunrise, and protect my boys. And he's kind of sweating, so something's wrong here. Immediately, I was like, spider sense, or sorry, Jeanne sense, tingling. But anyway, so they go away, and douchebag, I mean, Ernan gives a look to the wife before he leaves. Not good. So they begin to trek to Father Keenan and begin traveling down the road, talking and BSing and explaining basic things, which I kind of zoned out on. But they're just talking about things, and he explains that blah, 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 a lot of blah, I mean, it makes sense, but I'm not going to get into it. You can read it. So anyway, as they're riding along, someone comes to attack, and they want Brumhart. And since he has his infant son with him, Leon gives his son to Ernan and he goes to attack these fighters. Now what follows is a really cool fight scene with a bunch of, well, honestly they look like biker punks. I mean, one guy has a mohawk, another guy is wearing one of those face masks, and they're all fighting and he's kicking their asses, and Jean is freaking out, and Leon is just 
making these guys look like complete amateurs. And he's not even using Brumhart yet. Then one of the guys comes out and he pulls this weird bottle and drinks it. And suddenly he's a dragon and he's going to kill him. And, well, long story short, out comes Brumhart. And choppity chop, dragon is dead. So in the end, what happens is that... Turns out Ernan was behind this little assassination attempt or coup d'etat, whatever you want to say. Well, his whole motivation is that he wanted Brumhart because he feels that Leon and the Manus family, since they've only been servants and never a lord, they've squandered the power. So using Jean as kind of a trump card, they fight and Leon ends up dying. And Ernan gets what he wants, finally takes Brumhart for himself. Now that Leon is dead, there's nothing standing between Ernan and what he wants, which is, I'm assuming, to rule the world. But, of course, you have Jean still there, so he tells his henchmen, goons, whatever you want to call them, yeah, we can't have the kid around. He's gotta go. So, infant side. Hooray! This guy, this trusted advisor of Leon, killed his boss just to get a sword, which, according to legend, only someone who has the blood of the creator, which would have been the original creator, Nathan Manus, can wield Brumhart. Ernan didn't think about this. This comes really into play in a little bit. But, so, Ernan leaves with his sword to go, I think, claim Leon's wife and become an evil, psycho-crazy person. And they go to kill the son, and a mysterious old man appears and saves the day. This is the sorcerer Keenish. He saves the day, takes the boy, and goes into the Forbidden Forest. Never to be seen again supposedly. So let's fast forward. 15 years later. Now, 15 years later, Ernan is now a huge tyrant. Not like Ruby Ra or, say, um, what the hell's his name from Fist of the North Star? Uh, I'll remember in 20 minutes. But, you know, or Black King from Kashan. He's actually a very lean tyrant. He's an evil guy, but one problem. The sword at his hip. Brumhart, he can't take out of the sheath no matter what he does. It doesn't want to play. It doesn't want to serve his will. And he is frustrated by this. He wants to have the power that Brumhart had, that Leon had. And he spends the majority of this issue of the manga just trying to get the sword to bend to his will. It seems like he's the main character, which I actually thought was really cool. I like the fact that they have a villain who's proactive and isn't just there, I will rule the world. <laughs> You know, the typical stereotypical villain who's evil and benevolent, who will try to rule the world. But, nah, he's not like that. He's a little cooler than that. But, meanwhile, in the Forbidden Forest, there's a young man, a lazy boy. Irresponsible and lazy and just very strange. Guess who it is? You guessed it. It's John Manus. He's been raised by Kenneth for years and years to become a warrior to save the day. And... Ironically, something weird, his best friend is a half-orc. Now, the name's kind of bleh. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I'm going to fuck it up. But anyway, half-orc, and they've been friends for years, and now they're going to go to save the day and get the sword, and blah. Now it turns into a typical party where it's half-orc, strong boy, and irresponsible sword person who is the standard main character are going to save the day and kill the tyrant, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's a cool story, don't get me wrong, but just kind of, if you've read one, you've read them all. It kind of follows the stereotypical swords and sorcery method with, you know, having the party with different races together bending and fighting evil. And there is a an elf in the party, a cute little 
elf ranger archer she joins the group from there on it just really follows ernan trying to get the sword open and it's pretty cool to be honest with you it's got a unique twist especially that's the main thing i like that ernan is the like i was saying ernan seems to be the main character not jen overall art style is awesome I'll tell you this now. I mean, it's not Lotus Wars, but it's really good. It's very detailed. A little different. Not as soft as some of the mangas I'm used to, but I like it. Writing style for a manga. I've read worse translations. This is a really good translation. If you're a fan of manga, you're going to like this. If you're a fan of action, you're really going to like this. If you're a fan of video games, you'll like it. If you're not a fan of an action series, you're not going to like it. So overall, I definitely give this... A borrowed from a friend and don't return it unless offered Pocky. I haven't given one of those. Well, I actually gave him one last week, so. Yeah, so that's what I'm giving it. Okay. So, now that the review's over. Well, you guys have noticed I rushed it a little bit. The reason why is I just don't want Malcolm to be waiting too long. I want to, you know, get through it. And plus, it was it was a good manga, manga, manga. But really easy to just get through it. So anyway, after the promo... We'll get to the interview. Do you hate being the last to know all about the latest releases in anime, J-drama, and J-music? Well, so do we. Here at Weeaboobies, a different kind of anime podcast, we love turning your fandom into our joke. That is, months after it was actually popular. So make sure you tune in at www.bumbleberry.org. And I think I speak for everyone when I say this podcast deserves two thumbs up. And by the way, those thumbs, they're up her butt. <laughs> oh, we have boobies where your fandom is our joke. All right, like I said before, we have a surprise. It's an interview with new up-and-coming author and comic writer Malcolm Wong. I'm doing this over Skype, so you gotta give me a second just to calibrate everything, get everything all good and ready. Okay, hold on. Alright, faithful fans, with me today is Malcolm Wong, the creator of the series Dog Eater. So, first tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into the comic scene? Well, that's probably a very um, non-traditional route into comics. I actually started as a writer, so... I was told by a fortune teller that I had uh, writing talent, and this is, you know, at the time that I was making music videos here in Tokyo. And so I started writing novels, and I got representation in New York and London, but I was unable to get published. And then after a motorcycle accident, one of my friends told me that his mother was a script supervisor, you know, and worked for such uh, directors as Spielberg and, you know, name-dropping all this stuff. So... I got in contact with her. I wrote an adaptation of one of my novels, and then I just kept writing screenplays. And, you know, being in Tokyo, I'm not in L.A., it's very, very tough to break in. And so mm-hmm. I was entering contests, uh, screenwriting contests. And one of the contests that I entered was the Screenwriting Expo, which is actually coming up at the end of this month, I believe, in L.A. It's, this was Screenwriting Expo 5. It's now 7. So it was two years ago. I won three awards there. One of the awards was to have the screenplay adapted into a graphic novel and comic book by the Dable Brothers, and that's how this came about. 
So I'm coming out at it from a very, you know, I think not aiming to be a comic book creator and writer, but that's, you know, kind of like where I am now at the moment. That's kind of, that's actually really cool how it just turned out that you started with scripts from films to, well, this. Well, it's, it started as a novel. It started as novels. I went from novels to screenplays to comic book scripts. And uh, if you can take that to the next uh, level, I'm going to be writing dirty limericks for a living in about three weeks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, no. I actually, I find the story really fascinating and interesting. So tell everyone what Dog Eaters is about. Dog Eaters is it's a post-apocalyptic story. And... The way that I pitched it at San Diego Comic-Con was, you know, I we had free preview copies there. I had a couple cute girls in Dog Eater t-shirts, which you can get online at, uh, well, actually our online shop is down, but there's a link to the shirts on the dogeaters-manga.com website. We had a couple cute girls from Japan, and, you know, we had these preview copies. The first thing I said was, to people as they passed by, was mankind failed in its first attempt to transcend the petroleum age and if they turn to stop you know to sort of like check me out then I would continue and some of them just kept walking of course because they don't care about transcending the petroleum age yeah a lot of con goers are just very single-minded <laughs> but uh, the die-off killed nine out of ten people worldwide and this is after when the economic meltdown happens which we're starting to see in a way right now I don't know if this is you know the beginning of the end but you know something like this happens and you multiply by 10 and you can see how much trouble we'd be in but anyways mm -hmm. 175 years after the die-off civilization consists of scattered nomadic tribes isolated casino cities and roving bands of predatory bandits and this is the world of the black dog clan oh that's so casino cities this vision, it's pretty unique. Like, who would be the survivors in this one out of every ten people? Would it be more like criminals or...? Well, I just sort of, like, arbitrarily said, you know, brought it back to where, you know, where you have to live off the land. So I, I was thinking Native Americans and also survivors would be safely hidden in high-security penitentiaries, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... These criminals, you know, interbred with each other, and they sort of created a kind of a super bad person, super bad people. Mm -hmm. And also, um, there's a lot of secret bases in the American Southwest, a lot of military, a lot of scientists and stuff like that. So you, you still have science, you know, you still have people with brains yeah. as well. And they, you know, they can go either way. And the, the whole thing about the society or the, the, yeah, I guess the human society is that it's upwardly or downwardly mobile, depending on your tendency or your what you want what you want out of life, just like it is now. So you could you could go from being a roach, which is the bad people, mm -hmm. or if you're in a tribe or if you're in a clan and you get kicked out, you could very well, most likely, you would die, but you could become a roach or whatever. Or start so your you own have clan. This, you have this kind of mobility between, and the black dog clan are the good guys, and they are mm -hmm. basically sort of Native American in spirit if not in blood itself because it's it's all mixed now and it's still a melting pot you know but mm -hmm. uh in sort of like that and the black dog clan are nomadic they run a caravan mm -hmm. between these casino cities carrying you know goods 
and they're on their last trade run between these uh, casino cities before they make their own establishment on the Gulf. And this is sort of like 175 years after the die-off, so we're talking about a period of that it, they're starting to come back around. You know, it's been totally, you know, 175 years is it's quite a long time when you think about it. If you subtract it from where we are now, you end up in, yeah, you end yeah. up in the, in the 1800s, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's, feels like a long time ago but you know so things are things are coming around again so they know they have to make that change and yet you know so they're making their last trade run they're let you know and they'll have enough money and resources to build their own and that's where we are when this story starts yeah the first the preview that's on the website is absolutely to start off it's phenomenal just the way it starts off where it doesn't give you a lot of exposition it just goes right into it and yeah, but it, but it does give you a hint of what's going to happen, I think, in a way, yeah. Well, right Doesn't now, it? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, you first, you first. Um, does it give you sort of a hint of what uh, is going to happen? It's not just action for action's sake, don't you think? Or? No, yeah, no, I agree. It, it gives you a hint of where it's going, and I just like that it's actually really engaging. It's not like one of these, just these current comics, like, for example, I hate to bring it up, but Spider-Man, where it's just like, okay, we're just going to throw this... One, two, three, this, 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 it's over. This actually is getting engaged for the first couple pages. I like it. Thank you very much. I think that you see a lot of comic book going to movies, um, you know, especially now. Uh, this past summer was just incredible with the um, with the Dark Knight and Hellboy 2 and, you know, Iron Man and Hancock. The whole, there was just one after another and, and very successful. But, you know, what they're doing, what screenwriters are doing is they're taking these characters and they're creating, they're using the comic book characters to create the characters that are created and, you know, making a, making a movie, basically. Yeah. But what Dog Eaters, Dog Eaters is a screenplay, so it, it has a, screenplays, you got to have a beginning, middle, and end, it's got to be tight, it's got to mm-hmm. engage you in the first Come five, on. ten, yeah. And so it already has these rules, so when you, when you translate that to a comic book, it, it's different than a regular or a graphic novel. It's kind of different pacing in a way. It's it's kind of like the story is much more solidified because it it's a miniseries, a six uh, issue miniseries, and it has an end. So like a lot of Spider Man or whatever, it's like endless. You know, it just keeps going, keeps going. So there's no way to pace that in a really organized way. I think it's it's hard to do that. I mean, it's not impossible, but. It's hard to do that, like, where does it start, where does it end, and that kind of thing. It, it, mm-hmm. it just, that is the, for traditional comics, I think that is one of the things. Like, you read a comic and you go, this went nowhere. Great art, but, uh, you know, I don't see, you know, what's going on, really. Mm-hmm. Well, yours is a finite story where you have <laughs> your whole, where you have everything already laid out, you know where it's going. Is there going to be a sequel, or it's just one story, that opening to close? Well, well, actually, I'm thinking of a sequel now. I've, I've started to rough out something, but I haven't started to write anything, but I have something in mind. It's also a tricky thing because my goal is to have this made into a movie. You know, it was originally a movie script, and my goal is to write movies. But as that, you know, get into the legalities of somebody buys this script, if, you know, it's a big if, you know, what kind of rights will remain with me, and will I even have the right to make a sequel you know what I mean it's that kind of thing so my manager says it's just like that it's like you know don't even bother writing it right now because um, you may not be able to <laughs> you know it may not be yours anymore you know that kind of thing 
well, I hope it does become a film, and if you do have creative control over it, because I could see it in my head as a movie. That trailer you have is just off the chart. Oh, really? You like that? Yeah, I like it. Because, um, did you see it on the uh, MySpace TV, or did you see it on YouTube? I saw it on MySpace TV. Uh-huh, okay, good. Yeah, that's a better quality one, I think. Just trying to figure out who could play all the characters, like Lamont and Tommy and um, Tracy. Well, Tracy's my favorite character right now, from what I've read, because she's just a little girl who's in the turret just going ape shit. Pardon my French, but... <laughs> yeah, she's she's a cool character, and, you know, she would have to be an unknown because she's, you know, she's young. She would have to play early teens. Another, you know, interesting thing is an actor uh, on MySpace is already like, I want to play Tommy, I want to play Tommy, and I'm looking at him going, um, yeah, maybe you could. <laughs> So series comes out November this year, next month? Next month, yes, and I think we're going to be a little bit late. It was originally scheduled for November 5th, but I think it might be a week late, so... Well, um, and who's who's distributing it? Is it just... It's being published by Dable Brothers, and it's being distributed by Diamond. Okay. It's So it's going through ordinary channels. The thing is, I guess Dable Brothers is still considered an independent, sort of a larger independent, or I'm, I'm not really sure, really. I'm not really sure how the independents rate, you know, who, how would you, how would you would rate Image and, you know, is, is Dark Horse an independent? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But David Brothers are known for their licensed properties, so they'll take the Dresden Files by Jim Butcher, which is, you know, a series of novels, basically. Yep. Or or Dean Koontz, uh, Frankenstein, and you know, so these are what they're doing is they're adapting novels, which is again, you know, like Dog Eaters, it's an enclosed story. It's not open ended, an open ended narrative. It's a uh -huh. you know beginning, middle, and end kind of a situation. So, in that sense, it fits in with the the Dable Brothers. But this is their first creator owned property, you know, based on the award from the Screenwriting Expo. It's a little bit of a departure because with, uh, you know, at least with Dean Koontz and Jim Butcher, there's sort of a, a built-in fan base. But for me, I'm uh, I'm coming out of nowhere, so there's, you know, it's kind of like starting from zero, which is where a lot of, I think, comic people are starting if you're doing independence. It's like, who the hell are you and why should I, you know, check this thing out? And that's a, really a challenge right now to see if we can get the word out. Even if we do get the word out, you know, how many people will actually check it out? Well, I've been telling my friends about this ever since I first started reading it, and when you told me about it, I've been really interested in it. And um, I think a lot of people, if they check it out, if they check the website at dogeatermanga.com, I think they really will enjoy it. It's a really compelling story from what I've seen so far, and I really want to know what else. And also, I'm interested in finding out more about that one character I saw, the mayor of thir Three Proms, uh... Bronco. Yeah. He's a roach. He's a descendant of a roach. So, it, you know, 175 years, it's basically about, I would say, about five generations, maybe five or six generations. So, basically, when you look at Australia, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about Australia, but there was a penitentiary, you know, basically, they, I guess, debtors, not real hard criminals like murders and stuff like that, but, you know, people that are... Yeah, it, yeah. The un, undesirables from the countries were sent to Australia. America was also undesirables too, but I mean more along the religious side, you know. So you get that's why I think you get a lot of this kind of it's still in our blood. This kind of uh, evangelical, this crazy, you know, yeah, Dave Duke kind of stuff. 
still still in our you know genealogy to be that kind of people but anyway so he's like six generations five or six generations removed from the actual high security penitentiary itself but he's definitely retained a lot of that kind of wily not evil because he's he's not like satan he's just like self-serving politician who has some who not only does it with uh, politics but also does it with muscle so he's he's that kind of a guy yeah. And he he will be you will see him in issue two, and that's where a lot of the he's the main antagonist. antagonist yes, like I said, I like his design. I'm just was wondering about him because really want to know where this goes, and I'm definitely picking this up. I put it on my uh, orders at my local comic shop. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much. It's no problem. <laughs> Th- I should have said this before, but thank you for doing the Spire and Mong review. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And uh, do you have any advice to any up-and-coming screenwriters? Screenwriting, yeah. Everybody has their own way. Everybody has their own path. And that's, you know, that's what life is, basically, is dealing with your, you know, your skills and your limitations, you know, and, and trying to, to do the things that you want to do within those these restrictions and also your talents as well, being able to exploit your talents, I guess. I guess the thing for me was that, you know, I did a lot of reading. I, I didn't go to school. I, I have a an art degree in sculpture, so that's very different than writing. But mm-hmm. I've always done some writing. And when you, you know, when you start to write, it's kind of like, well, how do I do it? You know, how do I write a screenplay? And got a lot of books. You know, all the screenwriting books, a lot of them. You know, twenty, mm-hmm. thirty, maybe. Mm-hmm. And what you got to do is actually try to write a script based on somebody's idea of how to do it. So it's like, okay, first you need a beginning, a middle, and an end, okay? And you got to catch them within the first three pages because a, a reader will can't be engaged by page three. He's throwing it in, you know, the reject pile. And this basically, I think that's basically it. And then you got to have a, a plot follows that beginning, middle, and end. And I think you also have to have some kind of message that is woven into that, that is something that you personally believe very, very strongly. Because if you don't believe in something very, very, very strongly, you're not going to have the energy, the motivation, and the will to finish it and to polish it and to make it as good as it can be, as you know, as, as good as it can possibly be. Because it's something that if you don't believe in your heart, then you can't. You can finish it, but it, it won't be. No, it yeah. won't be great. No, yeah, it's that's a very true statement, and right now I'm just grinning because it's just I could feel the the passion you have behind those words, and how, that you believe that, and that is a very true statement. Sorry, that just came out just very odd. It sounded better in my head. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, like I said, thank you for coming on the Spark and Manga review, and for those of you who are interested, it's uh, Dog Eaters. It comes out November. You said it was November. Probably around the 12th. You know, I'm not really sure about the production. Um, the letterer is doing, I think, two other books, you know, that is supposed to come out in November, and we were a little late, so, and everybody was a little bit late, so that means that instead of, you know, everybody starting at the right time, kind of like everybody came late, and so it's kind of like school assignment where you wait on three subjects study for the test you know yeah yeah so best bet uh yeah around my birthday which would be the end of november so that'd be the best (laughs) i hope it's not that late (laughs) yeah well you know best time to pick it up and it's dog eaters dash manga.com 
That's correct, yeah. Dogeaters-manga.com. Or there's also a MySpace page, with uh, the, which is myspace.com slash dogeaters underbar manga. So there's two places, and I believe there's a link, you know, from one to the other. But the link on the uh, the dog eaters hyphen manga, you you have to search for a little bit because I, it's in the blog part, mm, well, and well, and it's we'll put it on our MySpace the, page, so you can so you can get the video on our page. Oh, great! Thank you very much. Ah, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> all right. Well. All right. Well. Okay, son. Well, thanks so much. Don't worry about it, Malcolm. <laughs> I hope you have a good morning. Well, for me, it's night because I got to work in two hours. Ooh. Yeah, overnight shift. Oh, wow. Yep. Well, you have a very good day. All right. Um, Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Okay. My best to me. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, and um, have a good night. And hope to hear from you again. Yes. Keep in touch. I will, all right? I'll tell you you what I think about the second and third one, because right now it's going to get our highest rating, which would be really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't buy this now, your brain will freeze, your soul will be eaten, and your uh, soul will be forfeit to the great Zolmo Gustar. (laughs) That's what I give it right now. So, yeah. Thanks so much, Zon. No problem. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Now, that was an awesome interview. Uh, I hope Malcolm comes back. I hope that I get to talk to him again. He comes back on the show and we can talk more about some of the new issues. I'm definitely going to collect this series, and I definitely recommend you guys check it out. Uh, check out on our MySpace, on myspace.com forward slash Spirecan. You'll see a link to Dog Eaters. Also, we have the promotional video on our blog, and we have the YouTube video on the front page. Definitely check it out. It's a really cool series, and I think it's, it sounds really just like a cool story. I mean, you heard the interview, so... Anyway, so now on to some of our basic site news. Nothing much besides the spirekin.rapidboards.com. We've also had a couple of weird posts and emails sent to our Friendster account. Yes, we're on Friendster, for those of you who don't remember. We're also on Facebook. Just check out Group Spirekin Manga Review. And like I said, we have our MySpace account. So check them out. Join us. We're nervous! We're nervous! <laughs> Yes, join us. Become a, a Sparkin Manga Review member. And if you want to write a review, we'll actually post it. There's a lot of perks. And also, you guys send us something interesting or send us an interesting email. We actually now have armbands. Well, we were, we're going to do shirts, but Mason thought it would be better to do armbands and sashes. So, But anyway, if you want to contact Mason and yell at her or actually give her her well wishes that she deserves, especially with all the stuff that's happened, her email is mason.spirican at gmail.com if you want to rant at me say I'm a horrible person that this podcast sucks or if you want to flame me or say good things or say you want to marry me and have my children zan.spirican at gmail.com or you could just email us straight on our main email spirican at gmail.com send us anything we will appreciate it flames, compliments love letters, hate letters, well, not hate letters, we will laugh at you and read it on air, maybe. But anyway, send us anything you guys want, and we might use it. And if you're interested in contacting Malcolm Wong about any information about becoming a screenwriter, or want to know about any of his stories, or about dog eaters, you can contact him at comicsdog at gmail.com. As for our Name the New Computer Contest, it's now over. No one entered, unfortunately, which kind of sucks, but... Say la vie, that's life. 
So that's it. Um, for any information on any of our new contest, check our website, spireken.podbean.com. Click on the contest section. That's where we have all of our information about all the new things coming out. We have a couple of new contests, so check it out. Also, remember, we got three episodes coming up in the next two weeks. We have episode 16, which is next episode. We have our Halloween episode. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then on episode 17, sorry, 18 rather, I'm sounding like a Monty Python reference. 16, 17, 17, 16, wah! Anyway, in episode 18, I'm going to have a guest host, Fightbait from Fightbait Anime. We've been talking and, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, because he has a really cool podcast and I think it's going to be really cool just bullshitting with him. That's probably going to just degenerate from regular episode to just us bullshitting and I'm probably not even going to want to edit it. This one I'm already edited four times. Uh, nothing bad happened, just my nephew came over and, well, little kids pushing buttons, not good. But that's besides the point. Because I have to, as you heard before, I gotta run to work and just finish this. Well, no I don't. I could just come back later and re-record it. No, just finishing it now. Anyway, so now comes the spinny part. Yes, that's right, folks. It's that part you've all been waiting for. The Wheel of Manga! That was a good one. Anyway, for those of you who don't know and weren't listening before, the Wheel of Manga is how we decide how to choose mangas. We pull out Scully, we choose 10 mangas at random from the list, which is on our MySpace account, and then we spin whatever it lands on. That is what I will read for next week. So, cross your fingers, boys and girls. Cool, number 10, which is D. Gray Man. That's a cool series. I, I like that one. I don't have it, but I, I like it. Cool. So, next week, D. Gray Man will tell you a couple of new contests and some other stuff, and hopefully Mason will show up. We'll see. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Definitely check out Malcolm Wong's comic, Dog Eaters. And, as usual, I'm your host, Zan. Have a good day.
better place to be.